husband, and she celebrated her birthday yesterday. So we had a good time, and she's 38 again, and uh, so. And I always enjoy when she's able to travel with me. Sometimes I have to travel by myself, but I always enjoy when my wife can come with me and be a part of the ministry. Also, she is a great, vital part of our ministry. I do want to apologize this morning uh, for bringing the rain yesterday from North Carolina. And uh, it's always so beautiful when we come here. And yesterday, all the rain came. And I checked the weather this morning. The humidity here is actually higher than the humidity in North Carolina right now and that's kind of unusual and a little bit different course they did have a big snowstorm the other day uh there at our home where we live i mean it got bad schools were canceled uh people were getting off their jobs early Uh, there was all kind of accidents it was terrible and i actually think we saw about three snowflakes doing the whole thing and uh, i'm serious it was i mean they built it up it was going to be huge it was going to be terrible they closed schools down they dismissed them early the day before and uh i looked on i've got a little camera i can look at my house and uh all i saw was green grass i didn't see any snow and uh, maybe a little bit north of us they got maybe a, i think about a little dusting a little bit less than an inch or something but it's always a big deal there when it uh, happens because uh, it doesn't happen that often and of course you don't get any snow here do you Rarely, 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 rarely. We've been in Tucson and got some snow. Uh, we got stuck last year up in uh, Prescott and got a good snow up there, and we barely got out of there before yeah, the real big snow came, so we were glad for that. But uh, it's just great to be here. We're looking for some great weather this week. Um, some of you know I told you a second ago we, we're involved in the cowboy action shooting, and, of course, every year, this time of year, is the national championship up in Phoenix, uh, North Phoenix, up at the uh, Ben Avery Center. My wife and I will be competing in that this week. Uh, At this event on Sunday morning, they always have a cowboy church. They call it cowboy church. It's a church service. And uh, uh, many people come. They'll have anywhere from uh, 40 to 50 people there. And uh, a great opportunity. Uh, In the last several years, my wife and I have been helping uh, in the service. We did the music and different things for the service. Well, yesterday, or actually on Friday, uh, the one who usually preaches and the one who organizes that uh, emailed me and said he could not be there. He got some things going on. He asked me to preach next Sunday. He's never heard me preach before, so that's quite of a leap of faith for him. But uh, uh, so I-, I wish that you would pray with me about next Sunday, all right? I know there are lost people there. What, one of the things that really bothered me about this particular Cowboy Church is this guy never gave an invitation. He preached some good messages. Uh, back last year, he preached a tremendous message and talked about sin and, and the need of salvation, but didn't give any kind of invitation. And so I decided I'm giving one this year. And uh, we, we hope to see some people saved. And so pray with us about that, if you will, uh, because I'd like to really see uh, some people come to Christ. Uh, we've, we've made our presence known in the cowboy shooting community, and I do many of the cowboy churches in the East Co- on the East Coast. I've done the regionals and the divisionals. I do many of the state championships as well. We've had a lot of people say, and I've become the pastor to many of those uh, cowboy shooters, and uh, they look to us for spiritual guidance and so on, and that's been a great uh, great honor to be a part of that. But now to be able to do it on the national level is a great, great opportunity, and we hope this will lead to more opportunities to lead more people to Christ. And that's what it's all about, is just getting people under the sound of the gospel 
and getting them saved. And that's what Now Ministries is all about as well, is getting people under the sound of the gospel so they can hear of Jesus Christ and they have the opportunity to come to him. And that's just so exciting. Uh, Take your Bibles, please, this morning, and turn with us to Genesis chapter 6, if you will. A very familiar story in the Bible. I love the stories of the Bible. Don't you love the stories? And I like your story this morning. That's one of my favorites. And uh, God, you know, he killed them, buried them right underneath the sand. And uh, some preachers wish that would happen in their church quite often, you know, every now and then. But uh, uh, I love all the different stories in, in, the, in the Word of God. The story of creation, of course, is, is, is a good story, and it tells us how God created the world and so on. Then you've got the story of the Israelites coming out of um, uh, Egypt and into the land of Canaan, into the promised land and so on. You've got other stories in the Bible, the story of David and Goliath. Oh, my, what a tremendous, every child knows the story of David and Goliath. There's some great truths in that story as well. Other stories throughout the Bible uh, we could talk about, uh, even in the New Testament, some of the New Testament saints and some things that they accomplished, some things they did. The story of Peter walking on the water. Wouldn't you like to have been there to see that? Now, how many of you think you'd have got out of the boat with Peter? Probably none of us. <laughs> but wouldn't you like to have seen that? Somebody, Peter, actually walking on the water with Jesus. And, I mean, those are exciting things in the Word of God. Well, I want to uh, deal with one of the stories in the Bible today. Probably one of the most well-known stories. Probably one of the most debated of all the stories. And probably one of the most recreated of all the stories in the Bible. And that is in Genesis chapter 6, the story of Noah and the ark. Oh, what a wonderful story that it is. One of the greatest pictures of Christ and the cross and the fact of salvation. And that's what I want to bring out in this story this morning. I've entitled the message, A Ship and a Savior. A Ship and a Savior. Genesis chapter 6, we'll begin reading there in verse 13, if you will, please. And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, for the earth is filled with violence through them. And behold, I will destroy them with the earth. Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make of it. The length of the ark shall be three hundred cubits, and the breadth of it fifty cubits, and the height of it thirty cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set in the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. And behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the uh, breath of life from under the heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. But with thee I will establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons, and thy wife, and thy wives, and thy sons' wives with thee. And of every living thing of all flesh, uh, two of every sort, Shall bring, uh, shalt thou bring into the ark to keep them alive with thee. Sh- uh, they shall be male and female, of fowls after their kind, and of cattle after their kind, of every creeping thing of the earth after his kind. Two of every sort shall come unto thee to keep them alive. And, to, and uh, take thou unto thee of all food that is eaten, and thou shalt gather it to thee, and it shall be for food for thee and for them. Thus did Noah, according to all that God had commanded him, so did he. Verse 1 of chapter 7. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark, 
For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. Now the ark Noah prepared for the saving of his house is one of the most beautiful and complete pictures or types of salvation that we find in the Bible. I want you to think about this. God created the world in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. We know that story very well. He flung the stars in the heavens and set the moon and the sun in its course. He put the earth in orbit around the sun. And God put on the earth all the things that we needed to survive. The animals, the trees, the grass, the waters. Everything that was needed for man to survive was put on the face of the earth. God put a perfect man by the name of Adam and a perfect woman by the name of Eve in a beautiful garden called Eden. God gave them everything they needed in that garden. God said, there's one thing you cannot do. You cannot eat from the tree that's in the center of this garden. He said, in the day that you eat of that tree, he said, you'll surely die. It's disobedience to me if you eat from that tree. Well, you know the story. The serpent came, Satan disguised as a serpent, came to Eve, deceived her, and she took from the fruit of that tree and she ate. And then willingly disobeyed God and took of the fruit of that tree and ate of that fruit. Now they've sinned against God. Because of their sin, they were thrown out of that garden. God made a promise at that point and at that time that he would send his son Jesus Christ at some time in the future to die on the cross and shed his blood for the sin of mankind. But from that point in our history, sin came upon this world. Not just in the form of you and me, the fact that we were born in sin, but sin cursed everything about this earth. Now there's thorns that grow. Now we have to work for our food. Before it was provided, it was there. There were no weeds and thorns to grow and have to weed, but now we have to work by the sweat of our brows. We have to uh, work to provide for ourselves, provide for our families. But the worst thing is, of course, that sin came upon all men. Truth is that since that time, everyone that has been born has been born in sin. The Bible says, by nature, you are a sinner. By birth, you are a sinner. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death. That Because you were born in sin, one day you will die in your sin. Now, I like to explain it this way. I think it's a good biblical truth that because you were born in sin physically... One day, physically, you will die. There's no way to escape that. There's no way to get away from it. You can try to prolong it. You can try to put it off. You can try to have good health, eat right, exercise. But one day, physically, you will die because you were born in sin. But Then the Bible also says there came a point in time in your life when you knew what was right and wrong. And you chose to sin anyway. The Bible says that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible says because of your choice to sin, that one day after this physical death, you will experience a second death or a spiritual death in an awful place called hell. Now, that's the situation after the Garden of Eden. Man began to populate the world, but everyone that was born was born in sin. There was no uh, 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 prohibition to keep sin back or to hold sin back, and man became very wicked and evil. And all their imaginations, the Bible says. And sin continually multiplied on the earth. And men became more and more and more evil. And it finally came to the place where God said, I'm going to have to punish the sin. I'm going to destroy the earth and everything that I've made because of man's sin. Now that illustrates this morning how much that God 
hates sin. Now, according to the Bible, a little bitty sin is just as bad as a big sin. In God's eyes, they're all the same. You see, the truth is, because you were born in sin, you've got to be judged, and one day you'll die. Because you chose to do what was wrong, one day you'll pay the ultimate price of spiritual eternal death in hell. Jesus said there's forgiveness. There's a way out. Jesus provided himself on the cross of Calvary to die and shed his blood for our sin. And the story that we have today here of knowing the ark illustrates exactly what Jesus did for you and me when he died on the cross of Calvary. This story in the scripture here is a beautiful picture of what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary and how he gave himself for salvation, gave himself that man might be saved from their sin. In this scripture, we'll see four things regarding the ark that also apply to that of salvation. I want you to see those this morning, all right? First of all, I want you to understand that Noah's ark, it was a heavenly plan. It was a heavenly plan. It wasn't something that was thought up by Noah. It wasn't a story that Noah made up. Now, there were those that accused him of that, and they probably and they laughed at him in that day, and they made fun of him. What in the world are you building this great big boat in the middle of nowhere? Noah, what are you talking about rain? What is rain? We've never seen rain before. The ark was not Noah's idea, but God said to Noah, make thee an ark of gopher wood. God told him exactly how to build the ark. He gave him all the specifications. God gave Noah the specific instructions how to build it. He gave him the kind of wood to use, uh, the size that it should be, and where the door should be, and where the window should be placed, and how it should be put together. And the fact, there ought to be three stories in order that he could get everything on the ark that God had planned to put on the ark. It was a heavenly plan. It wasn't something that Noah sat down by himself and tried to draw out and make a, you know, some type of architectural drawing and figure it all out. No, God said, Noah, here's what I want you to do. Here's my plans. Now, you go and do exactly what I tell you to do, and Noah, you and your family will be saved. Salvation is just like the ark. It is a divine plan. It's not a plan that man came up with. It's not some thought in our mind how we can be good, how we can do a lot of good things, and how we can be good people, and because of that, we can save ourselves and keep ourselves from destruction and hell. Long before man sinned, God had provided a plan of salvation. God came up with this plan long before we ever even knew we needed a Savior. Revelation chapter 13 and verse 8, uh, Jesus Christ says this, the Lamb slain, or that Jesus was the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And so from the time that God created the world and even before, God knew that man would sin and, God, and man would need a Savior, and so he designed or, 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 or orientated his son Jesus Christ to be the sacrifice for our sins. Now, not only do I like cowboy shooting, I also like trains. I like the old west in, in, in general, you know, and I like the old trains. I like to ride on old trains, and the steam engines and so on. And I like to read about trains. Well, several years ago, I was reading uh, a story, a, a true account of a tremendous, terrible train accident. It happened out here in the West somewhere. I don't remember exactly where. But um, uh, there was a, a back in the days when communication uh, was not very uh, good on the train systems. The uh, t- uh, telegraph uh, had not really been installed yet on this particular train line. In fact, the story goes, the man who owned uh, that particular train line didn't believe in these newfangled ideas. And so he didn't install telegraphs. 
he still relied on the old signaling system. And so when one train would come to the station, uh, they could not leave that station until they got a signal that the track was all clear, that the oncoming train had passed and had cleared the track. Well, one day, of course, two trains, one sitting at one station, one at the other, the signals were crossed and misgiven. And both trains continued or started down the track at the same time headed toward one another. When at one station they realized what had happened, knowing that the other train was already coming, and now the all clear had been given, and they knew the track was not clear, they realized there was going to be a tremendous train accident. That something was going to, there was no way they could stop it. There was no way they could signal the trains at this point. There was no telegraph to telegraph ahead and try to stop the train, but certainly a tremendous train accident would happen. And so here's what they did. They began to sound the alarm in that little town. And they began to tell everyone what would happen. And they began to gather blankets and medicines and uh, all type of, uh, uh, of things that could be used to help those who would be injured or maybe even killed in that accident. And they put another train on that track and they started out toward where they thought would be that accident. And they were following behind that train that was ahead of them. Oh, maybe two or three diff- uh, miles or so behind it, but they were behind it. So as soon as that accident happened, there would be someone there that could render aid and help all those that would be injured. Now that's exactly what Jesus Christ did for you and me in salvation. As Jesus looked down through time, He knew that man would sin. He knew that man would fall, and because of sin, there would be great destruction in this world and great destruction in our life, and sin would bring death and destruction into our lives. Jesus, God in the form of Jesus Christ, put a hospital train on that track. And when sin comes into your life, and those who've been born in sin, the Bible says we all have, we need a Savior. Jesus sent His, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to be the Savior, to be the healing for you and me. In Genesis 3.15, He promised a Redeemer would come. He said, I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. The seed of the woman refers to the virgin birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. And how that Jesus one day would defeat Satan on the cross and defeat sin and defeat death. And he was the only one who could do that. Jesus was the only one who could go to the cross, a sinless Savior, and could shed his blood for your sin and for mine. Salvation, heavenly plan. But not only is it a heavenly plan, it is a heavenly provision. The ark was a heavenly provision. Who planted the trees that Noah used to build the ark? It was God. He designed a tree that was perfectly formed and perfectly positioned to build that ark to save Noah and his family. He said it's a particular tree called gopher wood. I don't know much about trees and wood. Not much about gopher wood, but God used that particular tree because it was perfect for fashioning and building the ark. God told him how to make the the pitch that would uh, cover that wood and get the crack so that no water could get inside that boat. God provided the knowledge that Noah needed in order to build that ark. God provided everything that was needed to build that ark for the saving of Noah's house. Salvation is also a heavenly provision. Salvation is not man reaching up to God, but is God reaching down to man. 
It's not us trying to do our best to get where God is and to make ourselves better for Him, but it is God coming down and regenerating us. It is God coming to the earth and dying on the cross to save us from sin. In our all our good works, we fall short. The Bible says, in fact, our best is nothing but dirty rags in the sight of the Lord Jesus Christ. My dear friend, listen, we can't do anything to save ourselves. Jesus Christ has done it all. He did a perfect work on the cross of Calvary. He finished the work of salvation. And now simply what we need to do, as we learned in Sunday school, is to look to Him in faith and trust Jesus as our Savior. There was a little boy who came to the old preacher of the church, and he said, uh, What can I do to be saved, preacher? And the preacher looked at him and said, Son, well, you're too late. He said, I'm too late to get saved. Oh, no, the preacher said, no, no, you're not too late to get saved. You're just too late to do anything about it. Jesus did it all on the cross of Calvary. He took care of everything you needed. All you have to do is come to Jesus Christ by faith and trust Him and believe Him. In the Bible, it states in John 1, verse 13, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us. It's God's mercy and grace that brings us the salvation that Jesus gave us on the cross. Oh, my dear friend, listen. It's, salvation is a heavenly plan. It wasn't devised by man. It's not some religion. It's not some classes we go through. It's not keeping a certain set of, uh, of rituals or whatever, but it's God's plan from the Word of God. It's a heavenly provision. God provided Jesus Christ, the only one who could come from heaven and leave the glories of heaven and come to this earth and live a sinless life and he was the only one worthy that could go to the cross and die for you and me. Not only was it a heavenly plan, not only was it a heavenly provision, but the ark was also a heavenly refuge. It was a place of safety. Now, God's judgment came on the world in the form of rain. It rained for 40 days and for 40 nights. Now, it rained here yesterday for about four or five hours. There's still water laying around. If it were to rain in Arizona like it did yesterday for like four or five days, we'd be underwater right now, probably. I mean, Arizona's famous for flooding, flash flooding. In fact, there's still flash flood warnings today, I think, because of the runoff and different things. Uh, back where I live in North Carolina, uh, it rains a lot. Now, sometimes we'll get some drought. Sometimes it won't rain as much. Last year, it started, it was a very, very wet year, especially during the first part of the year, and uh, I have worked for years and years to try to get my yard and my grass uh, to look nice, you know, to look green and and beautiful and to grow. Uh, We also have a lot of rocks uh, where I live, and so that's hard, and then we're not there very often, so it's very difficult. We have tried, and our yard just doesn't look that well. Last year, my yard looked really, really green. It looked really nice. We had so much rain, but it wasn't grass. It was moss. It was that wet. I mean, if it rains for, you know, four or five, six days straight, uh, things really get soggy and get wet. But can you imagine it raining for 40 days and 40 nights? But not just rain coming down. But the Bible says also the waters of the deep broke up. The waters from underneath the earth broke up and flushed, uh, flooded onto the earth itself. And the water got so deep that the highest mountain at that time was covered several miles deep on the earth. 
Everything was covered. And everything died. And there was no way out of that storm except for the ark. Now, I'm sure that some people maybe said, well, you know, this Noah guy, he might be have some idea that something's coming. And maybe, I, you know, he's building a huge boat. I don't even think that big. If the rain comes, I'll just climb a, a tree or I'll find me a couple logs and I'll float around for a little bit and everything will be all right. Can you imagine when the rain came and those who thought they could save themselves, maybe they climbed trees or maybe they began to climb mountains, maybe they began to fashion some kind of little boat out of a log or something and tried to in some way save themselves. I wonder how long that lasted. With those turbulent waters and the waters coming up from the deep and the rain coming down from above, I'm sure it didn't take too long before whoever was in a tree was soaked to death, was cold and miserable, and finally the waters came up so high they could not climb any further, and they drowned. Perhaps someone who tried to fashion their own boat for some time was able to hang on and was able to maybe float for some time, but some big wave would come over, turn them over, and pretty soon they were in the water and they were drowned. And everything on the earth died. There was only one place of safety in that time, and that was the ark itself. The rain fell, but those inside the ark didn't feel a single drop of that rain. They were high and they were dry, for they were protected by its shelter, the ark itself. Now, 2,000 years ago at Calvary, the judgment of God fell, not in the form of rain, but in the form of separation from God. When God turned his back on Jesus, he cried out from the cross, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? In Matthew 40, uh, 27 and verse 46, God turned his back on Jesus Christ as the judgment of God fell on Jesus. While Jesus hung on the cross, God treated him in exactly the same way he will have to treat every unbelieving sinner. And one day, because of your sin, if you reject Jesus Christ as your Savior, if you refuse to believe what the Bible says, if you refuse to accept Christ and what He did on the cross for you, one day when you die, your soul, the real you that lives on the inside, will be separated from this body. That's what we call death. And that soul will go into eternity, and for all of eternity will be separated from God and cast into an awful place called hell. Jesus, as He hung on the cross... The Bible says God turned his back on his own son. And for the first time in eternity, Jesus and God were separated. And Jesus experienced on the cross my hell. He experienced what I should experience as I would go to hell itself. He experienced my death. He experienced my punishment. He experienced what I should have to go through if I reject Jesus Christ as my Savior. As Jesus hung on the cross, He suffered everything that those who go to hell will suffer. In Luke chapter 16, we are told of a rich man who went to hell. In verse 23, it tells us, And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. And on the cross, Jesus cried, I thirst. He was experiencing your torment. He was experiencing your payment and punishment for sin. He was experiencing your hell as he hung there on the cross of Calvary. You see, the, on the cross, Jesus was suffering the sinner's judgment for sin. And he suffered 
and He died there, and He took your place. He took the punishment for you and me. So in Him, we have a refuge from sin and a refuge from the punishment of our sin. Now, those who were inside the ark were sheltered from God's judgment. The judgment fell on the ark, not on those inside. All those outside lost their life. They were punished, and judgment fell on them. But those inside the ark were sheltered from God's judgment. Now, the person trusting Jesus Christ as personal Savior is in the place of shelter and refuge from God's judgment because the judgment fell on Jesus Christ at Calvary, not on me. Jesus takes my judgment. He takes my penalty. Also, no one who entered the ark lost his life. They were all spared. They were all saved. The person who trusts Jesus Christ as Savior is safe. You're safe from destruction. You're safe from the punishment of hell, from the punishment of sin. Some uh, who have trusted Christ are nervous, hoping that they'll make it, and they doubt their salvation. Uh, They're nervous about their security. But dear friend, listen, if you have trusted Christ as your Savior, you are absolutely safe. If you put your trust, faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you don't have to worry about hell. You don't have to worry about the punishment or the judgment of sin in your life. Now, the Bible says there is now, therefore, no condemnation or judgment to them which are in Christ Jesus. In Romans chapter 8, verse 11, they say that the only safe place to hide in a fire or a forest fire is where the fire has already burned. It doesn't return to burn again. The judgment has already fallen. The judgment has already come through. And so the same is true with those who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. The person who is trusting Christ as their Savior is in a place where the fires of God's judgment have already burned, and they will never burn again. You see, the ark was a heavenly plan, and so salvation is a heavenly plan. The ark was a heavenly provision. God provided all that they needed, and so salvation is a heavenly provision. God has provided all that you need. The ark was a heavenly refuge. God sheltered those in the ark and he kept them safe from judgment. And so God in his salvation and his mercy shelters you from the judgment of God because of his, uh, his death on the cross of Calvary and you trusting him as a savior. But then also I want you to see today that the ark was a heavenly invitation. God says in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 1, if you'll look there again please, he says... Come, and the Lord said unto Noah, Come thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. And so the Bible tells us that God asked Noah to come into the ark. Now that invitational word come is found some 1,814 different times in the Bible. The Bible's last invitation is in Revelation 22, verse 17, where it says, And the Spirit and the bride say, Come. And let him that heareth say, Come. And let him that is a thirst come. And whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. Jesus said in Matthew eleven eight, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest over and over again. You are invited to come to Jesus Christ, just as God invited Noah into the ark. Come down, all thy house into the ark. Now, Jesus didn't say, Now, Noah, go into the ark. No, he said, Come into the ark. Why? Because God was already in there. He had already given it a safety inspection. He had already approved everything and said it's ready to go. Now the judgment's coming. Come into the ark. 
And so Jesus today provides or says to you, come to me for salvation. Come where I can give you rest. I can give you shelter. Come where I can give you forgiveness of your sin. God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world unto himself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, uh, he told us that he is in this way. He's in Jesus Christ reconciling us unto God. Today he invites you to come and trust him as Savior. And anyone may come. Whosoever will may come. It's not open to just a few privileged folks, but it's to everyone. Jesus said all can come unto the salvation of Jesus Christ. The Bible says God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. In 2 Peter chapter 3, nine, there was a young boy. One Sunday he went to the pastor and he said, Hey, preacher, he said, I want to say my Bible verse for you. And the preacher said, All right, go ahead. And so the young boy began to quote Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden. I will do the rest. Preacher kind of scratched his head. He said, son, he said, I've never heard it said that way before, but I sure do like it. Has a lot of truth in it, doesn't it? Hey, Jesus said, come, I've given you everything. I've taken care of everything you need. I've taken care of uh, of this payment for sin. I've taken care of death. I've taken care of separation. I've taken care of it all. Just come to me. I've done all of it on the cross of Calvary. All you've got to do is accept it. Well, Jesus Christ has invited you to come to Him today. He wants you to come and receive Him as His Savior. He has promised to give you rest, eternal life in heaven someday if you'll simply receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. Now, just as the ark was a place of safety for Noah and his family to be safe from the judgment that fell on the earth that day in the form of rain, Jesus Christ is a place of safety for all that will come to Him and trust Him completely for salvation. Have you accepted Christ as your Savior today? Have you trusted Him in your heart? Have you asked Him to come into your life and to save you? When Noah and his family were invited into the ark, they had to make their own decision. Would they go? I'm sure there were others around. And I'm sure that Noah, I can see Noah standing at the ark, of the, the door of the ark, and pleading, would you come? Would you come? Would you come in the ark? Would you come to safety? And those who were left outside said, no, we don't believe it. We won't accept it. We think you're crazy. It won't work. We're not coming. And there are those today that feel the same about salvation. Well, I I just don't know if I can trust it. I just don't know if I can believe it. Well, I just don't believe in those things. Oh, but the Bible is very clear. There's only one way of salvation. There's only one way to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross for you. And it is something that you must accept. And God asks you, invites you to come. But he didn't make you come. It's your decision. It's your free choice. He gives you everything you need. All you have to do is come and accept him as your Savior. Jesus Christ has provided salvation uh, through his death on the cross of Calvary. He promises everlasting life if you'll trust him. The Bible states, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Have you trusted Christ as your Savior today? Would you like to do it today if you haven't done that? Come now, the Bible says, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though your, they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. Jesus said, I'll forgive your sin. I'll wash your heart clean. 
I'll give you a new home in heaven. I'll give you a new purpose on this life. I'll give you a new life in Jesus Christ. All you have to do is come and accept what he did for you on the cross. If you will admit that you're a sinner and you'll come to Jesus Christ, he'll cleanse your heart, save your soul. He'll give you a home in heaven, eternal life with him forever and ever. My dear friend, would you do it today? Jesus gives you that opportunity. I want every head bowed, every eye closed. In a crowd this size, I'm sure there's someone who has not accepted Christ as Savior. Maybe it's a young person. Maybe it's a teenager. Maybe it's an older person. Perhaps you've heard the gospel preached many times, but you've never accepted it. But today you heard it and understood it. And clearly you know you need to accept Christ as your Savior. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. That's what my ministry is all about. That's the whole reason that I'm here this morning, is to give you that opportunity to accept Christ. How terrible, how tragic it would be for us to leave this place this morning and you not know for sure that you're saved. Or you not take the opportunity to accept Christ as Savior. So here's what I want to do. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior, I know that many of you have. I know many of you personally, and I know you're good Christians. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those who you know in your heart you've never received Christ as your Savior. You've never been saved. I want you to do that today. I want to give you that opportunity right now. Here's what I'm going to do. As we said in the Bible, all have sinned. The Bible says you must understand that you're a sinner. Because of your sin, there's a penalty. That penalty is death, everlasting death, separation from God for all of eternity in hell. The Bible says that Jesus loved you and he died for you. He provided the payment for your sin on the cross of Calvary. The Bible says if you'll trust him for that, if you'll believe that and trust him with all your heart, and then the Bible says, ask him to save you, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you do that today? I want you to do it. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to word a prayer. And if you'd like to receive Christ as your Savior, I want you to say this prayer with me. Now, the prayer itself does not save you, but the prayer expresses what you believe in your heart and expresses the idea that you want to accept Christ into your life. If you'd like to do that, just pray this prayer with me. And this is the prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, I know that I'm a sinner. I'm sorry for my sin. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe you shed your blood to wash my sin away. I believe that you were buried you rose again the third day. And now, Lord, the best I know how, I'm asking you to forgive me of my sin. I'm asking you to come into my heart, come into my life, and save me. I believe what you did on the cross. I trust you to save me today. Give me eternal life and a home in heaven in Jesus' name. Now, heads bowed, eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer this morning, would you let me know so I can pray for you? Is there anyone like that? Quickly, just put your hand up.
stand up and put it down. I prayed that prayer this morning as you prayed. And I meant it. And I asked Christ in my heart, would you lift your hand so I can see it? I see one young man. Thank you, son. Anyone else? Brother Marshall, I prayed that prayer this morning. I prayed it, and I meant it from my heart. As a testimony of that, would you lift your hand this morning? Anyone else? Anyone else? All right, thank you so much. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we've had together to present the Word of God and to present salvation. Lord, I pray that it's so clear that anyone who is without Christ would want to come and receive Christ in their heart. Lord, I pray if there be anyone else here that is not saved, that today before they leave this place, that they'll settle that and they'll know they're on the way to heaven. I pray for every Christian that's here this morning that, Lord, they'll not be ashamed of what Jesus did in their heart and they'll go and they'll tell others about Jesus Christ and tell others what Christ did for them. And just like Noah tried to persuade others to come in the ark, may we persuade others to come to Jesus Christ that he might save them and change their life. And, Lord, we give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.